John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Sean Salisbury as we get closer to the trade deadline, which is next Tuesday. I think it'll get active starting today, particularly Wednesday, Thursday. I think it'll be active. But overall, it should be interesting that uh, uh, once again, uh, you know, more bad football in Houston. But I you know, look over at Dallas and see it worse. And right now, as we're seven weeks into the season, heading into week eight, how do you kind of sum up this crazy season, Sean? Hey, John, you cut out the last part about the Houston-Dallas, the last sentence you said. You yeah, said, how uh, do you kind of sum up this crazy season so far? Oh, yeah, John, it's, well, we've known 2020 going in was going to be wild, but, you know, and crazy once March hit we with all the COVID stuff. But the football season itself, I think we've got some really, really good teams as the, as the haves part of it, but we've also got some have-nots, too, and the bad ones are really bad. Texans, Dallas Cowboys, you know, the Jets. The Giants aren't very good. At least this team like the Cincinnati Bengals has some hope because their future says, well, we got Joe Burrow, and he's playing really, really good football. But there's about four to six teams or so at the top that are legit, and then there's some decent ones. But there's a lot of bad football being played, John, and we can no longer at this stage of the game blame it on the fact that we didn't have training camp. They're six weeks in, and some just – I mean, when I say training camp, a long one or an off season, I just – I think it's been – a strange season, but the spectacular players like Russ Wilson and, you know, watching Metcalf's effort the other night and then watching players like, you know, the, the, what we've seen Derrick Henry or we watch Tom Brady's continued play at 43 years old. It's fun to watch some of the good stuff, but the bad ones are really bad, and there's going to be a team in the NFC East that's going to win six or seven games and win a division. Oh, yeah, which is just absolutely amazing to think about that. Well, let's go some winning formulas and get into four downs. We're a week away from the trade deadline. Do you guys believe that this is J.J. Watt's final season with the Houston Texans? Um, I think it's probably, you know, we were discussing on my show about his trade value, and if you're lucky, lucky, very lucky, you'd get a second-round pick. So, you know, what, a third-round pick? And the questions you have to ask, and the thing that makes Belichick so great in New England is you can't be in the feel-good business. You just can't. I mean, if Tom Brady can go or Jerry Rice can go, you know, I mean, they, they, those type of players, Montana can play in Kansas City, then, you know, then J.J. Watt also can play somewhere else. If it was me and if I was J.J., I would love if someone like Pittsburgh or Seattle or Green Bay who wanted a player like that would give the guy a chance to win a championship. He's not winning one here in the next three years. They've got such a rebuild ahead of him it's ridiculous they're gonna have to tear it apart so um i i think there's a big reluctance that i can tell you in this town smart people say well if they get the right offer build assets because they don't have draft picks but there's part of it that says that people are just going to say well it's jj watt we're not allowed to get rid of him he's going to stay here i hope for his sake we'll miss him that he gets a chance to go play with his brothers in pittsburgh or something but there's no trade talk mentioned in this town which may mean that somebody is going after him, John. I don't know, but I, I'm going to say that he does not finish his career in Houston, um, that this uh, will be his last year. Maybe it's because I think that's what they need to do, and I want it for him. 
Yeah, and I think that may be fair. And Pittsburgh would be a great option because you know they've got some defensive ends that are going to be tough to keep in free agency. And you know you get him and you get him for a little bit less, and they've got some cap issues like a lot of teams are going to have next year. But yeah, I think that just Watt is too good of a player to let sit for three years on a bad football team and languish. And you can see after each game, it's tougher and tougher for him to answer questions because he's so frustrated, rightfully so, about how bad things are. Second down, which is the tougher division, the NFC West or the AFC North? Well, I would say, in my mind, the NFC West because I judge the division by the last team in it. And while the Cincinnati Bengals, you said the AFC North. We said AFC North, didn't we? Yeah, hey, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, in my mind, while on the charge and with Joe Burrow, I just think that if you're saying the 49ers are the worst team in the West, if they happen to beat you know, Seattle this week, and even with all the injuries, the way they run the football, and Kyle Shanahan's the best run game teacher in the league, they're getting after it pretty good. If they happen to pull one off against Seattle, they're, they're going to be 5-3. and three. Which, puts, which will have four teams already. They already got them over 500. And with this new format, you never know what's going to happen in New Orleans. You're, you're looking at three, possibly four teams in the playoffs. Is that feasible? So uh, I'm going to go with the NFC West because the top-heavy teams are just as good as they are in the uh, AFC North. It's the last-place team. The 49ers, if it is them, or Arizona, are better than the Bengals. I'm saying the West is the best, and it's it's one of the best divisions we've seen in a long time. Yeah, there's no doubt. What is it, 26-8 and eight or something, their combined record, how good it is. And so I would have to lean toward the West because you're right. I mean, one thing that does boost, boost everything up in the uh, AFC North is you get to play Cincinnati, and so every everybody in the top three is going to get two wins out of that. But I think Cleveland's going to make the uh, wild card, you know, maybe with 10 wins. But, you know, right now... Now, it comes down, I think probably comes down to a San Francisco-New Orleans game as far as maybe where that's going to go because San Francisco got the you know, non-common games and they've got to play uh, San Francisco uh, San Francisco and New Orleans. So that could be the determination. You know, If New Orleans doesn't win the division, if Tampa Bay wins the division, that if New Orleans could get the wild card, but they could lose it if they lose to the 49ers. Third down. Both rookie quarterbacks having a great Week 7. So which one would you rather build your team around, Cincinnati's Joe Burrow or L.A.'s Justin Herbert? I'll tell you what, I'm a little surprised. And as much as I saw him play in college, I mean, both of them, I saw Burrow every every one of his games, and I probably saw um, uh, Herbert, all but maybe two of them. But I thought Herbert would be a little – I thought the process, especially with Tyrod Taylor there and the unfortunate injury happened, but I thought Herbert was going to take a little bit more time, John, because while spectacular and smart and big and physical, there were some times I saw him in college, he missed some really easy throws that were like, when he missed a curl route, you know, he missed by a lot. Now, he could make some great throws in the three touchdowns running in the Rose Bowl. Great talent, but I thought it would take a while. I didn't know he was going to be this polished this fast but he is elevated and he's played well but still even with what i've seen with the lack of a of offensive line in cincinnati and his accuracy and i'm telling you in two decades i have not seen and i've studied this position a lot he's got the best pocket presence presence of a rookie coming out in the last two decades and that's joe burrow 
I, I'd have to go with Burrow because Burrow is keeping a team afloat that's not very good, and he's getting his brains beat in. Herbert's going to be really good. They're both going to be stars. Joe Burrow's going to be a superstar in the league, and that'll be in spite of Cincinnati. If they get him players, the Cincinnati Bengals will be relevant again. Joe Burrow, I'll still start with him. The first pick of the draft was the right pick of the draft, Joe Burrow. Yeah, and no, I, I would agree. And I guess the one thing, uh, you know, he's a little bit older because, what, he's 25. <clears throat> That's worked to his benefit. But I, I look at the scouting report of Justin Herbert, and the comparable to him is Matt Ryan. <clears throat> and I think you can see him playing at a Matt Ryan type of level. Sure, they're not good at finishing games. You know, that may be more on the coaching, the talent, the injuries, whatever it is. But he's really good, and so it's just a good situation. Now this week we'll get to see Tua to see where he fits in the mix. Fourth down, knowing all the baggage that comes with signing him, will adding Antonio Brown be worth it for the Buccaneers? Yeah, because I don't think it's that big a risk. I don't. If he was going to a team that was sensitive or a team that had no leadership and he could go in there and influence a locker room, if it was a negative influence, uh, then I'd be concerned. In a long-term deal that was guaranteed money, you'd say, man, he could impact uh, 20 guys on the team if he has a bad attitude. But, you know, I'm all up for second chances or third chances for guys. I'm all up for reclamation projects. And most importantly, I care more about Antonio Brown's life than I do his football career. I do, and I, and I mean that sincerely. And I root for people's success. I like the fact that Bruce has given him a chance. But with Tom there and a veteran group with some a mix of youth, and Bruce has already said it, if all of a sudden a weekend the guy's not doing the right thing or is on Twitter, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but is getting out of hand and not fitting in, they don't need him. They can win without him. He, he is a luxury if he plays well. But if he does, look out because he's got some skill set. Last time we saw him in a full in a full season, in a full season, he had 15 touchdown catches in Pittsburgh. So the reason why is there's no there, there's nothing to lose here. If it gets out of hand, you get rid of him. If he doesn't, then you have a guy who's changed his life around and can hopefully have peace off the field and on it. I don't think it's a big risk. I think the reward is bigger because of the veteran leadership and you're not tied to him for a long time, John. Yeah, but the thing is, I just think, you know, if you're Bruce Arians, you're very skeptical. I mean, he didn't want him back in sure. May. He, you know, uh, he ripped them, uh, you know, called him a diva last year. And then Antonio Brown says, me a diva? What about you with the silly hats and stuff that you wear and all that? And I don't know week to week whether you can trust Antonio Brown. And, you know, he put incentives in his contract. Now, again, he took the low contract at about 750 the rest of the year. But also he took the tack that it's like, hey, I need seven catches to get another 750 added to it. And he can't do that when you have the receiver group that they have on the field right now. So I really question it. I think it's a bad move. Let's put it this way. It's a better move for Seattle not getting him than Tampa Bay getting him. Oh, interesting. We're going to see how that works out because those are two Super Bowl caliber teams, and it may go through one of those cities to get to the Super Bowl. It's going to be fun to watch, John. It really is, and it's always fun to do four downs with you. I thank you as always. Look forward to talking to you on Friday. Thanks. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. And, of course, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go and get a chance to catch up on some grades with a report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for... 
The Report Card with the Professor. And the Report Card we get out every day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories. We take the anecdotes. We take social media comments. And we also take the voices. And we attach grades to it. Curtis Rogers does this every day with us. And so, Curtis, what do we have? Well, John, it feels like this segment is usually us ripping on one of two franchises, either the New York Jets or the Dallas Cowboys. Today, the Dallas Cowboys get their turn in the sunlight. And uh, they've got a couple of entries. Let's start with what happened yesterday during Mike Nolan's press conference uh, with the Dallas area media. Just things going along smoothly as, as they do. But then, all of a sudden, it had to stop because Mike Nolan accidentally got Tabasco sauce, of all things, in his eye. Let's take a listen. Obviously, the frustration for him as well is just, you know, look, when he misses them, nobody... Whoops, excuse me. Now I got something in my eye. Um... Just had some Tabasco on my finger and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh, never good. It's terrible. Jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> John, have you ever seen a press conference end because of something like that? Because no. somebody got something spicy in their eye. Uh, no. And first off, I mean, what are you having? I know it's Dallas, and so a little bit more spices. But what are you doing with Tabasco, anyways? Well, I mean, putting it on his food, I would imagine. I mean, it's it's good. I, I enjoy Tabasco sauce every now and then. It's not my favorite yeah. topping uh, on a on a burger or any kind of food or anything like that. But uh, just what are you doing? You, I mean, we all know something. if you got hot sauce on your fingers, don't touch your eyes. That is like rule number one when it comes to anything spicy. Don't get it in your eyes because then you're going to get some real irritation. Things are going to get real south real quick. How are we grading Mike Nolan getting Tabasco sauce in his eye, John? Uh, another F. I mean, it's an F for his coaching so far and how bad he's been. It's an F for what you can see with that. I mean, it's just incredibly bad to, to see that. I mean, it's like you can't even make it through a press conference. It's like, And what are you doing? It's like, you know, you, you might want to put the food aside before you go on a Zoom press conference. I mean, you know, if you, let's put it this way. If he was at the podium, is he going to have any sauce there? And the answer is no. So he gets an F. Yeah, you're about to be talking to people for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Get the food out of your mouth, man. That You're going to be fielding questions. Come on, Mike Nolan. You get an F from me as well. Also on the report card, John, sticking with the Cowboys, you mentioned it earlier in the show and behind the lines, uh, Jerry Jones on with his weekly radio show, uh, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And he was asked if the Cowboys have a leadership void currently on their roster, and that is where things started to go south. Does your team have a leadership void? Um, uh, when uh, uh, we're in the offensive line, where just you, o- just overall where, when seriously, these. But but seriously, seriously, where where do you, where would you have a leadership void? Is it an experience void? Is it a talent void? Is it a leader sport? I'm not trying to be cute here. The answer is yeah. no. The answer is yeah. no. I, I'm asking. A, ju- there's not a. Well, just shut up and let me answer. No. Jerry, when you go into the locker room, what I'm asking is, do you see the intangibles? That I gave you. The, I gave you the answer. When I go into the locker room, there's no leadership void in my eyes. Okay. okay. Now that's your answer. Let's move on. It seems like Jerry has one of these blow-ups every mm-hmm. year on Dallas Radio. He did apologize. I believe he released a statement today uh, saying that, you know, hey, I don't, I, I was wrong in, in being so terse with the hosts in Dallas, but 
John, how are we great? Jerry Jones, uh, clearly not buying yeah. the the rumor that there's a leadership void. Yeah, flat out F. I mean, it's just embarrassing. I mean, what what is it? What is his thinking on all this stuff? I mean, it's like, uh, man, it just it just gets worse and worse, and you can feel the tension. You know, he's trying to stick up for his coaches. He's trying to distract, but again, the team is now one of the worst in football. And so, I don't get his thought process on all this. I think he's kind of off on the whole whole concept. Yeah, I'll give him an F too. I mean, obviously, he's trying to defend his organization, yeah. trying to. Fit- defend everybody uh, in that team and, and trying to keep the outside voices from getting in. But anybody who watches the NFL, even at a, a casual level, can tell that the Cowboys are clearly lacking some much-needed leadership on that team. And maybe it's due to the fact that Dak Prescott's out for the season. He's not there uh, to keep everybody accountable. Because uh, Dak is what keeps that offense going clearly because they've been terrible since he's gotten uh, since he got injured a couple weeks ago uh, but Jerry Jones what are you doing man what are you doing giving him an F also on the report card John uh, one guy who has been in a couple of trade rumors that'd be Bengals defensive end Carlos Dunlap who got into an argument with his position coach on the sideline during Sunday's game but that's not all that happened he also posted his house listing on social media in a since-deleted post. I believe he posted it to Twitter and Instagram. Now, this is somebody who could very well get moved over the next week here. How are we grading that response to getting into a sideline argument with his position coach? Uh, not well. I mean, you, you have to say that had to be pretty silly to be able to do that because, again, I mean, you risk yourself getting fined and all that conduct detrimental to the team. And so uh, you know, I'll give him a D on that. Hey, listen, you can understand this is a proud guy. I mean, here's a guy that's played so well for the Bengals for so many years, and they basically have aced him out. And so that isn't good. But, you know, in the end, it's like, uh, you know, accommodate him in a trade get him out of there i mean you can see he's got a problem in the locker room you can see he's a problem with the team but uh i'll give him a d for the post i'll give him uh i'll give him a d plus it's a unique way of doing it so often we see players taking down logos and pictures of themselves in their team uniform as sort of their silent protest against the organization that employs them dunlap going a step further saying hey I'm willing to move. I'll put the I'll put the keys to my house on the line here if you come and get me. Uh, you know, some creativity there yeah, with, that's with true. that. No doubt. And then finally, John, on the report card, uh, Buda Baker was mic'd up on Sunday night against the Seahawks, and as we all know, he was chased down rather easily by DK Metcalf. Uh, and here is Buda Baker's reaction to being chased down by Metcalf. It's pretty quick. How'd he catch my? What the? Just so succinct, pretty much saying. Well, I think that said it all right there. Yeah, pretty much saying what we all thought when we saw DK Metcalf chase him down. How are we grading Buda Baker's reaction to being caught by DK Metcalf? Uh, well, it's honest. So, I mean, he he said good things after the game. How he he hawked me and all that stuff. So I'll, I'll give it a B because you know that's kind of the usual thing that uh, somebody's going to say when something crazy like that happens. I'll give him an A, just because, yeah, who who among us wouldn't have that kind of reaction if we had the speed of Buda Baker? Mm-hmm. You you get an easy interception like that, you see nothing but green in front of you, you're thinking six points at, at the very worst. Little do you know, there's a guy trailing you who is running much faster than you are, and he's about to take you down just short of that goal line. 
Uh, just a tremendous play by DK Metcalf and, and a very honest reaction by Buda Baker. John, on the list of things you would not want to experience, where is being chased by DK Metcalf, right? Uh, well, he's so much bigger, and of course, let's put it this way. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be able to go as long as Buda Baker before he caught me. I mean, he catched me within five yards, so it's like uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be easy, but it's like, uh, you know, I, I give him credit. So, But uh, what, what a great, great play. Certainly one of the highlights of the year, and he has been one of the highlights of the year. Absolutely. That is it for today's report card. Okay, and of course, you can check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma five coming up next we're going to get out and uh, you know take your text questions on the busy hard seltzer text line it's the john clayton show 710 espn seattle it's john clayton powered through the alaska airline studio two hours every day 10 to noon streaming live at 710 sports.com on demand on the 710 seattle sports app and time to go on the busy hearts seltzer text line and take your text questions and so let's text away and see what we have John, the 253 mm-hmm. wants to know, do you think Baker Mayfield turned a corner on Sunday with his five-touchdown performance? I think he turned a corner last year. I mean, he's, he's played at a Pro Bowl level for the longest period of time. He's been that good. <clears throat> so I think that you know he's fantastic in what he's able to do. So, uh, no, I think that you look at him and you say all kind of good things because he's been that good. I mean, he's now one of the best safeties in football. He's been rewarded and being paid as one of the best safeties in football, and he continues to get better and better and better. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, John, how will San Francisco be able to replace the production of Debo Samuel and Jeff Wilson Jr. on Sunday? Well, I mean, they'll go to uh, Jarrett the Jet McKen- uh, McKe- McKe- McKeenan, uh, <clears throat> who they paid $7 million a couple years ago. They've lowered his salary, but they're going to really struggle at the receiver position because Samuel is so good in the jet sweeps. He's so good on you know everything that he does and you know with him being out for a couple of weeks they may have to take the tack and go and get a another receiver but that that one's a tough one 206 wants to know john who do you think is the best team in the afc right now between pittsburgh and kansas city pittsburgh i mean because <clears throat> say what you <clears throat> say what you want i mean you certainly like the idea that you got uh, patrick mahomes <clears throat> but then when you look at it uh you can see that uh it's a, a very good team right now, a team right now that uh, has got a good defense, better defense than uh, Kansas City. So I give the edge right now to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the f- Let's see here. This one from the 425. They want to know, with what Pete Carroll said yesterday, do you anticipate Jamal Adams playing on Sunday? Uh, I think he still might. I mean, again, I'm not going to rule him out because, again, you know he's going to be trying to do the best he can. It has been a, a long period of time for him to get back. So, uh, it's like I wouldn't give it a 50 50 shot, but maybe 40 60. This one from the 253. They want to know does John or Sua hold any trade value as a piece in a deal? Well, not not now because uh, he's, on the, he's on the practice squad. <clears throat> so, uh, and he can sign with any team that he wishes unless they put the block on him. So, no, I think that uh, trade value, no, because he's not even on the active roster. This one comes to us from the uh, from the. 509. They want to know how do you predict Tua Tagovailoa to play in his debut against the Rams? Not well. Because <clears throat> he goes, in fact, I think he's going to struggle the next two weeks because they're starting him against uh, the Rams. They're starting him against the Arizona Cardinals. And those are better teams. And so I think that uh, it's going to be really tough for him to get what he's hoping for. 
360 wants to know, John, do you think Russell Wilson will redo his contract in order to free up space to get people <clears throat> here on defense? He'd be willing to, but I think they'd be reluctant to want to do that now. Uh, <clears throat> but if necessary, I think that he'd accommodate that. We'll see about his agent, Mark Rogers, but... Uh, but I think at this stage, you know, they uh, they can go to other guys and try to do it that way. Four two five wants to know what week can we expect Christian McCaffrey to return? It's possible this week. Today they put him on the designated to return list. I think it's going to be more likely uh, the next week. Uh, I don't know if they may have a bye week next week too. But uh, I, I don't think he's going to play this week. But at least he's starting to do some things on the practice field. 206 wants to know, what does Ashawn Robinson add to the Rams' defensive line? Uh, good kind of defensive tackle. They gave $8.5 million a year. I think he could really help them out because, again, you know, they just needed they, you know, when they, what they lost. And he's not going to be as good as Ndamukong Sue when Ndamukong Sue was there trying to at least go through the motions and play. But uh, he's, he's a good player, and I think he can help. 360 wants to know, John, do you anticipate Elton Robinson getting more than seven snaps on Sunday? Yeah, I would say so, <clears throat> because you know this is more of a conventional type of offense. I mean, again, the quarterback's not real mobile in Jimmy Garoppolo, and so I think they, they would try to do it that way. So, yeah, I think he is going to get more snaps. Another 360 wants to know, John, what? Uh, how would you rank the teams in the NFC West right now? Uh, right now it would be Seattle number one, Rams number two, Cardinals number three, San Francisco number four, and this is not to slight uh, San Francisco, but Arizona did beat them. Now I know that the 49ers did beat the Rams, but uh, you know right now the Rams have the five wins. Two hundred six wants to know: Is Tom Brady climbing in the MVP race? Uh, I think he certainly is. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's not to the point where he is with Russell Wilson. Probably not there with Patrick Mahomes. He still probably would be behind Ryan Tannehill, but there's no doubt he's climbing. 253 wants to know, John, do you think Gardner Minshew plays the full game on Sunday for Jacksonville? Hmm, I think it's a week-to-week thing. I still have the confidence in him, maybe not as much as Jim Moore, but I still have the confidence that he can still get it done. Oh, Jim Moore thinks Gardner Minshew's got multiple Super Bowls in his future and an MVP. That's, I mean, hey, if things go right for the Jaguars this year, they might be able to win, what, three games? Yeah, I think so. Find somebody that believes in you the way Jim Moore believes in Gardner yeah, exactly. Minshew. Uh, 907 wants to know, John, with the Seahawks needing some bodies in the running back room, do you think Marshawn Lynch could be among the, the group that gets called this week? It's not a bad thought. In fact, uh, if, uh, if it would be interesting. Now, again, he's it's going to be Tuesday, so I doubtful that he could be available for this week. But I would have to think that He'd be the perfect guy to add to the practice squad to come in there and try to do some things. So, yeah, I think that that can be a possibility. This one from the, let's see here, from the 206. They want to know, John, do you think the Rams' defense is better this year than it was when they went to the Super Bowl? Uh, No, no, because they had so many pro bowlers on that team. You know, look at the cornerbacks that they had. You know, they had Marcus Peters, who's a pro bowler. Aqib Tlaib, who now is retired, but he had always played at a pro bowl level, is not as good as the Super Bowl team. But again, I mean, it's surprising because they have so many no-names that have done so well. 253 wants to know what kind of players or trade package are the Cowboys looking to get back for Everson Griffin? I mean, what you're looking at is probably a sixth, uh, fifth round pick, <clears throat> something like that, if they're willing to trade him. And so, uh, you know, you're not going to get good value, unfortunately. 
This one from the, let's see here, from the 253. They want to know, John, do you think Jared Goff is truly a franchise quarterback? Uh, yeah, but he's not a elite quarterback. He's in that next, that second group. I mean, he's good enough to get you to a, a Super Bowl, but is he good enough to beat one of the Super Bowl quarterbacks? And I say right now, the answer is no. 425 wants to know how much sooner before we see Rashad Penny on the field. Uh... I, th- I think it's probably within a week. I mean, again, it's not out of the question for this week. I think it'd be nice to get him some practice and all that different stuff. But it doesn't seem like it's 100% that he's going to be available this particular week. Uh, this one from the 253. They want to know, John, do you think Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL? This year, yeah. I mean, he leads the league in rushing. He's so powerful. I mean, it's <clears throat> now again, I think that, you know, you have to look at Christian McCaffrey, but he hasn't had much of a season because of his injury. And so. Uh, I think in the end, it's like uh, it can be, you know, you have to give the edge right now to Henry because he's right now the best back. And the 253 wants to know, John, uh, would you put Jimmy Garoppolo in the same class as Jared Goff? Yeah, just a little bit better, I think, although that's a debatable thing, and they're starting to really question him right now in San Francisco. So I still give the edge right now to Jimmy G, but uh, they're both kind of almost right next to each other. 509 wants to know how big of an impact will Antonio Brown have out of the gate with Tampa Bay when he's eligible? Not much. I mean, again, he's, you know, he goes in there and, you know, he's not had training camp. He's, you know, he's just going to be learning the offense, although it's going to be similar because, again, it's going to be Bruce Arian's offense that he knew in Pittsburgh. But, uh, you know, I don't think, I mean, because, again, they've got the best wide receiver duo in football. How many catches are you going to take away from those guys? Yeah, it's. There's only so much that can yep. go around in Tampa Bay. Exactly. And then this one, John, finally from the 206, in honor of Mike Nolan, they want to know, do you have a favorite hot sauce? Mm, I mean, the only hot sauce that I really like, because, again, I don't like too much spicy, is Heinz 57 for steak. That's my hot sauce. Okay. It's not that hot. I I like Tabasco. I don't. Tapatio. Don't. Sriracha. No. I like it all. Don't. Frank's Red Hot? It's all good, John. No, not good. Okay. Not good. Okay. Uh, we got the Garage coming up. Oh, coming up, our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time for our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. And boy, kind of a dud for uh, Monday Night Football last night. Chicago Bears really kind of stinking it up, not showing anything on offense and losing to a Ram team that looks so much better. Yeah, they do, don't they? they Man, do. the, we, we speculated on it at the start of the year, and it's it's showing up about halfway through the season. The The NFC West is brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is brutal top to bottom. Everyone is good, and uh, the Rams definitely look like they're uh, – They've gotten into a groove with, with, with in particular, their running game, which is what, what stood out to me last night. Yeah, it really was. And I thought that was that was really impressive with what they were able to do on the ground game. Uh, and, you know, that's giving up Todd Gurley and going to a, a back-by-committee type of situation. Which they watched San Francisco use with effectiveness last year, and which apparently the Seahawks are going to have to try and use it with effectiveness this year, considering the injury to Chris Carson. Don't you think it'd be a good idea if the Seahawks think about maybe getting Marshawn Lynch on the practice squad just to get his availability there? Interesting, interesting. Um, I don't know. I, someone, how about if I give it to you that way? I'm not so yeah. sure that, that going back to that well is the right thing to do, but they need someone because uh, Carson, uh, we all know what, what a foot injury can be like, and too bad for him. You know, we, we talked about you know what was going to be his situation towards the end of the year, and 
we kind of agreed that, look, he was going to have to have a big-time year and, and uh, show that, number one, he could stay healthy, and number two, that he, he lost the fumble problem. And, and uh, unfortunately, the staying healthy thing is not going to happen. So uh, I would I would agree someone. And, uh, I, yeah, Marshawn would be an interesting thought, but um, someone, yeah. definitely someone. Yeah. Would you go for C.J. Proseis? C.J. Proseis, where the heck is he these days? I well, he was just cut by Houston. He was on the Houston roster, and they just cut him. So he's now available. You know, the, the Seahawks tend to, tend as we know, as we've yeah. watched over the years with uh, with uh, John and uh, Pete, they tend to like guys they've had. So that would be a guy, I mean, what, what do you have to lose necessarily if he's healthy? Right, exactly. I mean, he knows I, your system. He's been effective for you. So, yes, that would be a name that I would consider. Mm-hmm, yeah, so that that can be a possibility because he's available. Now it's a matter of getting him into town as fast as possible, taking the COVID test, and seeing if he can be available on the field. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, with, with that news on Carson, they've got to they got to do something there because it, 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 it's shown it's going to be important that they're able to run the ball moving forward. Yeah, and that's the thing that they showed last year is that uh, you know, all of a sudden at one time they end up losing all, you know, all their running backs. And I think you can see the young guys now, Travis Homer, you know, he's got a knee injury. Carlos Hyde has a tight hamstring, but they need Hyde to show and uh, they have to really gut him through, I think. And Rashad Penny. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously the op- opportunity is there for him if he gets healthy. I mean, it's, it's, it's wide open for him to, to be the back they thought he was when they drafted him where they drafted him. So. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's become an inter- intriguing little run here in the middle of the season for the Seahawks. And remember, you know, before they had those injuries last year, they were, they were a dominant running team and it was, it was really effective for them. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's an area they definitely got to think about for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And so that was going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And of course, uh, you know, now, of course, the trade deadline, uh, thoughts on them trying to pick up some kind of a pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think we're all a little bit surprised that they haven't made a move yet. You know, they made a move to, to deal with the middle of their defensive line, and and look, I mean, they anticipate Jamal Adams being a pass rusher for them, uh, and um, he's. I guess he's still he's still not sure about him for this week. I mean, he's missed so many games already. It's uh, it's brutal because he showed that he can be the the kind of you know at, at times pass rushing a guy that they need. But um, I would assume that they're looking, John. I, I would assume that they're looking for. For some to add to that, to that mix, and um, we've seen other teams snap up some guys before they did. But um, you know, yeah, you just from what you've seen in particular last week, with just no ability to pressure whatsoever. You know, going up against better teams in the in the weeks to come, I would I would assume that there's someone on their radar. Yeah, there has to be, and you know, because again, you know, John Snyder's always going to have some people that he's going to go. They're going to have to move some cap room because they're down to about 1.3 million dollars of cap room right now. So uh, that's going to be one of the extra challenges. Yeah, and they don't really have the draft capital, do they? No, well, they, no, they, they have like what six picks, and they don't have a first, they don't have a third. But in a lot of these deals, what you can do is that you can, you know, if, as long as the guy isn't like one of those real valued guys, you can maybe do something for a pick in the next year, you know, in 2021 or 2022. Well, that's, this is this is the, this is the time to consider doing something like that if it can make a difference because you, you've. You've got your Super Bowl window open this year. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, it's open. Uh, you, you still got the best record, tied for the best record in the NFC. You, you're in, in position to uh, to make a serious run with the offense that you have. So, uh, yeah, this is this is maybe the first time I would think, you know, go ahead and, and they, they did it once already with Adams, 
um, you know, it's it's risky. But uh, look, you know, the the window's not open that often, and it is this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, I mean, you're sitting there right now in the NFC with the number one seed, and <clears throat> you're in a division right now that's clearly the toughest in football, and so you need as much as you can, and, you know, say what you want. I mean, John Snyder, I think that he's done a great job with some of the practice squad additions, you know, the Damon Snacks, Harrison, uh, Demarius Randall, uh, and, you know, he picked up Ray Ray Armstrong uh, as a special teams guy, so they've been moving things like that, but, uh, you know, they still need to make more moves. Well, again, they're counting on Adams and Brooks to come back, and we'll see if Brooks is just a rookie, what kind yeah. of a difference he can make. But Adams is of critical importance to them. No doubt about it. World Series tonight, Game 6. Looks like you know, Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner, has a chance, like you had hoped and you had predicted, to take this thing to seven games. Well, you know, the one thing with Blake Snell is he's, he's had difficulty going, going more than five innings, so that's the, the first thing I'm looking at t- tonight is, if he can have a couple of, of, of quick innings and, and maybe, you know, get, get through the fifth into the sixth, Tampa's going to need their bullpen for Charlie Morton tomorrow as well, although Morton's been a very good starter. Uh, the Dodgers going with um, Gosselin in a starting role. He's got an ERA of about nine in the postseason. Um, but they're in a strong position uh, up 3-2 with Walker Bueller, who's been terrific in his two starts, ready to go if they need a game seven. Um, uh, pressure's off the Dodgers in this particular game, even though I believe it's on them in the series. Um, and you know, one of the things the Rays haven't been able to do that would make a big difference tonight, I think, is if they can they can get off early, if they can get their offense going early. But um, it's a it's a dramatic series, as we pointed out uh, to this point. And you know, Tampa's got to feel like you know, with with Snell and Morton, they've got the two best shots at it. Although the bullpen is going to need to be going to need to be up to snuff because, again, as I mentioned, neither one of those two starters have worked into the sixth inning much. So yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's a fascinating game tonight. Yeah, and of course the Dodgers going in pretty much with a bullpen. I mean, they're going to take the bullpen uh, situation that they used in game two <clears throat> and try to do it that way. And you know, it's kind of like the Tampa way. But uh, you have Snell going against a bunch of guys from the bullpen. That could be tough on, on the Dodgers. Could be. I mean, it could be. And, and especially if, if none of the guys pitch particularly well and they really – chalk up the innings and then Bueller has a, has an issue tomorrow. Remember they've got Clayton Kershaw in reserve, although there there's um arguments too in uh, to use him and to not use him. He's had some success in, in relief. He's also had some big time failures in relief, but I don't think we'd see him tonight. He'd be an issue uh for tomorrow. But you know, from Tampa's standpoint, I think that, you know, from a pressure standpoint, they need they need to try and get something going early in this game, which has been difficult for them to do and, and maybe against those Dodger relievers they'll have a little more success, but it has been a good World Series so far, and, and I am hopeful that we will see a Tampa win in the Game 7. Yep, that'll be good. I know you'll be celebrating tonight if that does happen, and it's our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Hope you get a chance to celebrate tonight. John, we'll uh, talk again tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. All right, sounds good. And, of course, we will be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.